0: Thanks, worship team. I really feel the presence of God's Spirit. I hope as you worship Him in song and as you come, that is an experience that you sense that God's there. He is there. He says He never leaves us, never forsakes us. Isn't it great to know that we're never alone? You know, I've done a lot of traveling, I guess, through my life. And I enjoy traveling, and many of you, you know, I'm sure we've traveled the whole world as we would look at all the different people here and the places you've gone and even some of the places you're from. But I want to ask you, where's home? Where's home? As we think about it right now, where's home? It's probably wherever you're going to go as you leave this place or you go home tonight. That's kind of your home. And there is no place like home. But home is a place where you feel safe, where you feel comfortable, a place where you can go and retreat. You know, as I've traveled, I've loved it. Last year, we, no, it was the year before last, 2019, we had about three other families and we did a, a trip on caravans out to Uluru and we had seven of us sleeping in our caravan. It was quite an interesting time because David Toogood joined my family of six. But we had, a, we had a great adventure, and we loved it. But you know what? Boy, was I glad to be home. You know, nothing like getting home to your own bed. There's no place like home, as the movie says. What is Home. You know, home can change for us too because, you know, a place that's home and as you grow up and you become a teenager and an adult, there comes a point where home that you grew up is no longer your home, you create another home. But I want you just to think, what really is home for you? Where is the place where you really feel at home? I go back and visit from time to time. I've been in Australia for 26 years now, and I've had many trips back to the States. And probably for the first, even after I was married, I think I still kind of felt like Alabama was home. But you know, the last few trips I've went back to, to America, I longed to get home to Australia. You know, this definitely, I'm, I'm Australian now. I might not sound like it, but I, this is home. This is where I feel most comfortable. But again, this is only my temporary home. And one of the takeaways from last week's message was that we are only temporarily here. That this place, we were created for another place, for another world. And as we look at that and explore that a bit more, we see that, wow, this is actually quite exciting because life's got a lot of pluses and a lot of good things. But it's got a lot of challenges and a lot of heartaches and a lot of pain. There's a lot of bad in this world. And when we look at the place that we were created for, it's a place that's perfect. It's a place where there's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no growing old, there's no sore bones and replacement of hips and, and, you know, hurt wrists. And, you know, all of us could just, as you get older, you get more and more of these lists of aches and pains and complaints. And I'm looking forward to that place where I was created to be. And that's ultimately my home. This world is not our home. We were created for another place. And Last week as we went through this introduction to this series we're in called The Steps to Personal Revival. And that first step that I said is is the most important, is is the good news. It's the good news of the gospel. And we went right back to the basics. Well, what is the good news? What is the gospel? And we just went through how we were born sinners, that the Bible tells us we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God, but that Jesus came and he died for us. And by us coming to Jesus and uh, accepting his sacrifice for us, in his life for us that he gives us that free gift of salvation and it's a beautiful thing it's that reconnection with god and so what revival is about and we also looked at this definition of what is revival it's a process in which something starts to grow develop and become successful again And so I was challenging us, and I was probably speaking mostly to those who are Christians, which most of you probably are, but there are some here that maybe you're not a Christian, or maybe this is your first time to to a church. And I want to encourage you to keep exploring, to keep looking into it, because there is... A great power. Even though Jesus has gone back to heaven, the power of his Holy Spirit is still amongst us here today. It's still amongst us. It's still in us. It doesn't force itself on us, but it's there. It wants to fill us. It wants to to, to come in us and live in us and change us and mold us into a better place. And so the place God has for us is not an eternal heaven that someday we're going to go to, but it's actually a place that he wants to start right now. Changing our lives for the better. Living our lives to the full. When? Now. And the best thing about Christianity is that God actually wants to change us for the better, not sometime in the future. We don't have to give up all the good things as often the, the evil one tries to make you think that, oh, i gotta live, I got to give up all the fun things in life so I can be a Christian so then I can go to heaven. That is a lie. That is a deceitful lie, and if we follow that, we are deceived. Because God is the way to ultimate joy. What a wonderful thing. We also looked at this promise last week, this uh, statement here that Jesus says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And that was kind of, again, one of our key things last week, is how this thing is a daily thing. A daily thing. You know, we come and we accept the good news of the gospel, we accept Jesus Christ, we pray that sinner's prayer, we often call call it as Christians, where you come and you realize that Jesus loved you so much that he came and he died on a cross, not because he deserved it, because you and I deserved it, but he did it because he loves us that much and wants us to be with us. And that's powerful and that's great, but he did it. Because he wants to enter into a relationship with us. It's not something we accept. We pray that prayer and then we forget about it. He says, hey, now I want us to grow together. And when Jesus was on this earth, he had the privilege of being here with his disciples. And we looked at how he actually made a promise when he left. Hey, I'm leaving something better than myself with you. Because it's able to be with you all the time, all of you at once. It's not a physical thing, it's a thing that we can't see, and it's the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And if you think it sounds spooky, you know, in the older translations of the Bible it says the Holy Ghost and, and you know, ghost, that word's a bit hey, this is a supernatural thing, but it's not scary. It's powerful, and it's actually something that gives us joy and fulfillment and um, and peace. So don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Let's follow it and do it daily. And we looked at our theme for the year, walking the way. Someone pointed out last year I said it wrong. I said following the way. kind of means the same thing, but we're really looking at this word walking this year because we're taking step by step. We're starting our growth track, which is taking us through steps of discipleship where we can go from really knowing God to finding freedom in our life, to discovering purpose, and then getting involved and making a difference. That's, that's what God wants for every one of us, and as we do that together as a church, or if you're not from this church or another church, I would encourage you, because God's plan is not for us to be isolated islands, each one of us. His plan is for us to come together, and as united, we become the body of Christ, because we're all different, we're all unique, and we all serve in different ways, and we complement each other. Now that's a challenge, and we all know that they've been involved in church life, because personalities are sometimes clashes, and sometimes it's people don't see it eye to eye, but, but I have no doubt God is working in Gold Coast Central Church. I feel it, I see it, I've worked with quite a few churches in the last 26 years, and God is working amongst this church, preparing us for something great. And that's why Lockie and myself and our leadership team were really encouraging you to, hey, dig deep, to have personal revival. Why? Because we can only really do what God's called us to do if we personally are in the right place. As a corporate body, if we personally aren't connected, it's useless. We're just going through the motions. We're just showing up at church. We're just involved in this ministry or that ministry, which is all great. But really, it's it's not making a difference. Because it's not Spirit-inspired. It's not Spirit-led. Folks, we've got to be connected to Jesus. Jesus is the way maker. He's the joymaker. maker. He's the reason. And every day we've got to look to Him and we pray for His Holy Spirit to fill us. And it does. And some days it might be harder. But you've got to make the effort. And I'm not talking about committing a time and I'm going to open the scripture and read the Bible. Yeah, reading the Bible is a great thing to do every day. But if you're only going through the motions of reading the Bible because you're trying to tick something off, you're missing the point. This is a relational thing. What's the closest person in your life? You know, as parents, often we'll think of our children. You know, we love our children. Many of us would just give our life for our children. We love our spouses. They're pretty special to us. You know, we love our friends. We love people. Whatever the closest person in your life is, God wants to be even closer than that. He wants to have the closest, most intimate relationship with you that will actually give you the joy the fulfillment, the peace, the future, uh, help you to live a life more abundantly. The list goes on and on. This joy of knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior is an exciting way to live a life. And, you know, we live in a society now, and I, I've said to a few people this week, you know, it's suddenly becoming obvious that in our society, in our culture, especially in Western culture, it's actually much more... Um, accepted to talk about a lot of other subjects that used to be taboo than it is to talk about religion but the reason for that is religion has been misrepresented because it's been people who haven't been spirit-filled and spirit-led the first thing that comes through us if we're spirit-led is love that's the first layer And if we're treating other people and we're not doing it in love, even if it's a person that's cursing you and an atheist and doesn't agree with you, you still need to treat that person like Jesus would. How did Jesus treat even the ones who hung him on the cross and nailed him there? He continued to show love and forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so we come together and we try to reason. And today as we go through some scriptures, I want you to to, uh, reason with me and look at scripture I'm sure, that's not changing. Click to the next one, please. Yep. So come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. This is important. And again, this is why we come together. Because sometimes you know we can be misled, or sometimes we can not understand things. And as we come together, as we pray together, and that's why our life groups. Again, I want to plug those life groups to be getting together. Whether you're just getting together and doing something fun together, or you're actually studying the Bible, but you're having that connection. And that even if you're doing something fun, you can still support and ask questions, and you can still be open to praying together and seeking God's leading. And and what's uh, awesome about this is, is is if you read the rest of that verse here in Isaiah it says says the lord though your sins are what like scarlet they shall be white as snow though they are red like crimson they shall be like as wool this is what the gospel's about i don't know about you but my I, i'm pretty pretty stained you know, I've, I've done some pretty silly things in my life. And, and most of us, if we self-examine ourselves, we see, we fall short. And last week, we looked clearly. The Bible says, how many of us have sinned? All. And we went back to the Greek, and we tried to study what all meant. And what did we discover? Do you remember? That's every one of you. Yeah, that's what all is. That's everybody. Every, no matter your age, or what country you're from, or what color your skin is, you are a sinner. And so we have this thing called sins, and the Bible tells us that Jesus forgives our sins. If we can um, confess our sins, he is faithful and just and forgives us our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness, just like it says there. makes us white as snow. But we still have a problem. We're we're born sinners. And so you've got sins and you've got sin. And so Jesus, he forgives our sins. When we ask, we believe that promise because God doesn't lie, so if we confess, he forgives us. But we're also then still have the problem of sin. Why? Because we're born sinners. And so that's, again, why we need, need this daily connection and the, the power of the Holy Spirit because we've got to overcome our flesh. We've got to overcome because we're born in the wrong world. And God actually wants us to be part of what he originally created us to be, and, and that's a world that's perfect. And uh, and really, um we promoted this book, and I must give it a plug again. We've got these available. Um, we are asking if you're able to pay $5 to do, but if you can't afford it, don't let that be an obstacle. Just take one. I've told them that's fine. We, we want you to work through this book. It's not that hard of a read, but it's very powerful because it really goes into a lot of Scripture and a lot of, of things about how important it is, this journey of having the Holy Spirit and having, living a, a Spirit-filled life. And, and I know that a lot of Christians go through the motion, because you have the natural life where all born sinners were lost, but then you have the spiritual life, and that actually comes through doing, as we presented last week, accepting the good news of the gospel and accepting the salvation that's a free gift, and so I accept that, and I become spiritual. But then we go live in our lives, and um, unfortunately sometimes we fall into what's called the carnal or the flesh, and so even though I've accepted Jesus, I'm living my life, and I'm dealing with this sin problem every day, and I find that the flesh starts to take a bit of um, the priority in my life. And as I evaluate, you know, it's, it's pushing God out. It's, coming, it's a wedge coming between that close, intimate relationship that God wants with us that he got at, at, uh, when we gave our hearts to him, and, and, and it, we start drifting. And again, if you take this, especially in a marriage relationship, this is what happens. I mean, nothing's more exciting than when you marry your spouse. You know, that wedding day is pretty special. And for us fellows, particularly, that honeymoon is pretty awesome. We really look forward to that. But, you know, you do go on and you get down the track six months, a year, two years. If you don't work on that relationship, the spark kind of goes out. You kind of lose that great drive and it has to be worked at and I've shared with this church you know last year Karen and I had a really rough time but you know what's changed our relationship and brought us to a new level of intimacy every day we do what's called the miracle morning and we just don't it doesn't have to be a long time sometimes it's a half an hour sometimes it's less but we talk we share we go through this process of praying of having some quiet time reading together and it's just changed. You know, suddenly we are starting to connect again. Why? Because we're doing it daily. A relationship requires a daily connection. And I can't emph- empathize, emphasize it, emphasize it enough how important it is to make it a daily thing. You know, we look at the Bible and we, we see some pretty awful things that are done. You know, one of the stories that... Often are, are brought forward is that the woman who was caught in adultery. You know, it, 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 in that time, it was a pretty serious offense. Probably in our day and age now, we don't think much of it because it happens all the time. But, you know, back then, if you were caught in adultery, you were put to death, you were stoned to death. It was a pretty serious offense. And here's this woman caught in the act, the Bible says, and they dragged her out and they took her to Jesus, expecting him to lay down the law. And what did Jesus do? He Flips the law upside down because he's the, he's the maker of the law. And he says, who is without sin casts the first stone and begins writing in the sand. And we believe that what he wrote in the sand was the sins of all those watching on. And suddenly all her accusers disappeared. And only the woman and him were there. You know, I don't care what you've done, how bad it is. God loves you, he accepts you, he forgives you. And he wants to change you, he wants to transform you. The evil one wants to, to trick you. He wants to deceive you, okay? He has no power over you. Let me say that again. He has no power over you except to deceive you. Okay, that's on. And if you let him deceive you, well, you've given him the right to have power over you. But if you go to God's word, you go to the truth, you go to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life... He has not a chance. He's already been defeated at the cross. And so we every day need to make a decision. And I often pointed out, you know, God. God's masterpiece of creation was human beings. You know, he got down and and made us with his own hands, breathed into our nostrils the breath of life, and we became these amazing bodies with all these different organs and systems. And and the body's incredible. You know, people can study their whole lifetimes and still learn more about the complexities of the body. It's fascinating. And it's God's creation. But one of the most amazing things is right here. You run your finger up your nose and you get around here, you get right here. Especially that frontal lobe that us human beings have that separate us from the animals. It actually gives us the ability to discern and make decisions and to to know what's right and wrong. Okay, we're not like my puppy dog at home that I've trained and he knows what's right and wrong because I've trained him. We have the ability to read and to study and to allow the Holy Spirit to impress upon us and to know what's right and wrong. And unfortunately, a lot of people live their lives, I think, like a dog or an animal. Because they kind of just live it by, if it feels good, do it, you know. But God says, hey, you actually, that's not going to give you joy. It's not going to give you fulfillment. It's going to lead to pain and suffering. If you follow my way, you're going to find real joy and fulfillment. God created us with the brain. And the way that we use our brain, it controls our body. And that's the way we are to live our lives. And that's the way we are to worship God. You think of what is worship? Well, we come here and we worship at church on Saturdays. That's what worship is. No, the Bible actually tells us the way we live our lives. Every day is what worship is, and here's what, is what Paul tells us in Romans, chapter 12 verse one. He says, "And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God, because all He has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. And this is true, the, the, the way, this is truly the way to worship Him. Our bodies as living sacrifices. Well, it sounds a bit, oh, does that mean I'm gonna be stabbed and wounded? No. It's it's saying, hey God, I'm not gonna live by the flesh. I'm gonna live by the spirit. And we find the Bible teaches a lot about this in Galatians five. I'm not gonna teach about it today, but in Romans eight, you know, it clearly outlines this battle that we're having between the flesh and the spirit. And it's only as we make the choice with that mind to hey. God, daily, I'm going to ask for the filling of your Holy Spirit so I can have the power to transform my life and overcome the things of the flesh that are dragging me down and keeping me from being all that you've made me to be. We read on in the next verse there, verse 2 of chapter 12. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into what? A new person by changing The way you think. Is there a a problem with the way you think? I find every day. I think. Things go through my mind that I shouldn't be thinking. I have to pull myself up. You know, I think that most of us, if we're honest, know that it's only by us daily working on retraining our minds. Allowing us to have the thinking that God wants us to have because our minds have been pretty corrupted. And listen, I'm not talking about us having the willpower to do the right things. And this is, again, where a lot of people get unstuck because they think, well, about being a Christian is about me doing the right things. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to eat pork. I'm not going to do this and do that. And somehow I think that that's the way that I get saved and the way that I have a connection with God. But really, that's, that's not what it's about. That's not relational. That's just ticking off the boxes. And that's like the Pharisees were doing in Jesus' time. And Jesus says, get away from me. I don't even know you. Yet they were keeping all the laws. They were doing all the right things. They even made the, the list bigger and bigger and bigger. But Jesus says, hey, it's not about you following rules. It's about you loving me and me able to love you back and being able to fill you with my spirit and allow you to be transformed and become all that I've made you to be. In Galatians 2 verse 20, Paul says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And so I live live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is what it's all about. It's about Christ living in us, walking the way in an intimate relationship. In that great chapter 8 of Romans I referred to earlier, there's this verse I'm going to share in in verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, this is the Holy Spirit. This is why this is so important because if we don't have the Holy Spirit living in us, we're just doing it by our own bootstraps and eventually they're going to break and we're going to fall. And even if we do fall, if we're living by the Spirit, we don't fall and be deceived. We realize the truth that Jesus died. He forgives us. He heals us. He wants to make us better. We are not controlled by the spirit. And then, um, the next verse says, "For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. Hostile to God. So if we're living by the flesh, God, God does it, we don't want anything to do with God. You know He says, "Hey, I want you to actually go back to what I created you to be." I want you to live in a world where we are connected in an intimate way, a, a way that we have no secrets. We have nothing to hide. We bear it all. We surrender all to you. He's created us to be this kind of connection. You know, God is amazing. You know, he's perfect. He's omniscient, which is all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's able to be everywhere at once. He's omnipotent, which is all-powerful. You know, what an amazing God. Yet sometimes we as human beings somehow to think that maybe God needs us. Well, I hate to break it to you, but God doesn't need us. But I'll tell you this. God wants you. He doesn't need you, but he desperately wants you so much that he came and died for you. He's done everything in his power and he's left it up to us. Because again, he doesn't force himself on us. He says, All you need to do is with your mind choose to open your heart up. Invite my spirit into you to fill you daily. Remember, last week we talked about filling you is 100%. You know, it's not, you can't just fill something up and it not be full. Full means full. So every day we surrender to self and ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us. You know, when we do that, God's going to use you in mighty ways and we are all disciples in training and I'm so excited about what God's going to do in this church as we I, I see so much talent and skill you know from our little ones right up through to our older folks with wisdom and knowledge that is so useful and I love the fact we're such an intergenerational church and sometimes that creates some challenges when it comes to different things and culture and taste and things we grew up with but you know God wants us to work together and to be tolerant. And as we do that, we actually develop skills and gifts that he's given us to serve him. That's why we're here. Until he comes, he says he wants us to serve him. And it's a privilege. He wants us to actually do what we're made to do. And, you know, as I think back through the jobs I've had And most of us, as we get older, you know, get 57 my age, you know, I've done a lot of jobs. And over this last week, I was thinking through some of the jobs, and I probably missed a few. But here are some of the things, you know, some of the first jobs I did was cleaning cars. My dad was a car salesman, so I would clean cars and get paid. I would mow lawns in the neighborhood to earn money. And then I would help my dad who also had a a job of moving these great big mobile homes we have in America. And, you know, that was a job that dad said he made me do so that I would go to college and finish because, boy, that was tough work crawling under uh, mobile homes where sewage was leaking and having to jack it up. And uh, I won't go into detail, but that was not a very fun job. And I went to boarding school. I started working at a factory where they made furniture called Harris Pond Mills. And then um, didn't really like that much, but um, I got to be a dorm monitor. So I lived in a dormitory, and during study period, I got to sit there and be the person that made sure all the boys stayed in their room and during study time. Pretty, I thought that was a pretty cool job, but that was, that was the fun part. The other part was I had to clean the toilets, and I had to do the, during the day. And then I went on and worked at McKee Baking Company for three years, again a manufacturing company, which led to me being um, a production supervisor and later a manager to another manufacturing company in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I've been a gymnastics teacher, a swimming pool, and gymnasium cleaner when I was back at La Sierra. and one of, one of my favorite jobs I've done through the years is 11 summers I've worked at um, summer camps growing up in the States. And you know I did everything at summer camp from one of my first jobs was just doing being a dishwasher to being a counselor, to being a horse wrangler, to being a lifeguard and a boat driver, to being a waterfront director and a rock climbing instructor. And since I've been in Australia, I've been a youth pastor, a church pastor, a youth director. And for the last 17 years, I've been a church pastor. You know, but I do feel like I'm doing what God's called me to do, and I often tell people how getting up front and speaking like I am now is something I find really hard, but God's called me to do it. And um, Andrew was teasing with me this morning, because whenever I have to preach, man, I, there's, a, there's a well-worn path between the, um, the restrooms and my office. I don't know. It's just the nerves of standing in front and looking at you guys and speaking. But God's called me to do it, and I'll keep doing it as long as he gives me the opportunity. And I know that um, he's called you to do something. And I just want to challenge you to find out what that is. And that's what our growth track's all about. As we start getting this in place this year, we encourage you to go through that so you can discover your spiritual gifts, your personality, how God's made you so that you can find the place where you can serve and say, yes, this is what I was made to do. But you don't always go to your dream job. Remember when I did all those other jobs, that wasn't my dream job. You know, you gotta do some pretty rotten jobs. Sometimes you gotta clean toilets before you can start to do the things you really wanna do. The important thing is whatever job God gives you to do, do it with all your might. And this is where Galatians tells us in Galatians 5, 13, I love this verse. For you've been called to live in what? Freedom. God's freed us. What? From sin. So that my brothers and sisters, that you don't use this freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to to do what? Serve one another in love. You know, this is what My prayer is for us as a church that we can be a church that we see this happening. That God will know that we are his disciples. Why? Because we are loving one another. Jesus is the life. Without him, we are dead. Let's be revived. And how are we revived? Well, again, this is a personal revival. You know, read through this book daily, praying and asking every morning for the Holy Spirit to fill you and to work in you and he will. You can then fulfill that purpose because the world says, hey, you know, get, get a a bigger house, get a better job, you know, get get, get this, the the partner, life partner you want. You know, these things are all great, but they're never going to satisfy. They're never going to fill you for that God designed purpose. He's made for you. God wants to, you to serve him and the book, Desire of Ages, it tells us we are to follow Christ day by day. God does not bestow help for tomorrow. You know, we can't, it's like physically, last week we were talking about how physically we got to eat just to maintain physical health. And that's the same thing spiritually. To stay spiritually alive, we gotta be feeding on God's word. We gotta be praying, we've got to be entering that relationship, asking for the infilling of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. I can't on Saturday when I come to worship, I can't spiritually get all the food I need to last me till next Saturday. You see how important that daily walk is. And this is where it comes, and we have preached a whole series on John 15. Last year, And and I just love these, you know, John 13, 14, and 15. These are kind of the most powerful chapters where Jesus was leading up to some of the important teaching before he died on the cross. But here, when he's talking about he is the vine, we're the branches, he tells us that when we're connected to him, that means we're filled with his spirit and we're producing fruit, which is the fruit of the spirit. But we're also going to be filled with what? Joy. I have told you these things. Why? So that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. You know, as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we should be the most joyful people on the planet. I don't care if it's a pandemic or a world war or what the, what's going on, we can still have joy. Why? Because we know God's in control. And if we have surrendered to Him and we continue to do it daily, again, we can do it today, but if we forget about it, It's got to be a continual relationship daily to have that intimate relationship that he wants with us. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And I close with a little story about a missionary who, he was traveling through an unmarked jungle and he had a native guide. And this Native God was leading him through, and at times there was no path at all. And they said, you know, how how can you know you're going the right way? You know, there's no path. And the God says this, I am the path. You see, that's what it's like with Jesus. Jesus is the path. Jesus is the way. You know, no set of rules is going to save us. Following any creed's not going to save us. It's only Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so today I want to challenge you as we close today. Um, I encourage you to come next week. We've got two more weeks on this uh, series about being perfectly revival and being filled with the Spirit. But I want to close with this promise here in Revelations 3.20 where Jesus says he stands there at the, do- at the door and knocks. And today, is He knocking on the door of your heart? I want to encourage you to open, open the door. Let Him in. And enter in that personal, close relationship with Him. Where daily, you're drawing closer and closer. And He's going to be transforming you. And as we are all doing that individually, and then we're working together as a church, we're going to see God's kingdom being fulfilled as we make him king of us and ultimately he's going to be the king of the world but not until it's all been fulfilled and we've done what he's called us to do i want to ask you just to pause and pray before we go to our closing song let's all bow our heads lord we've been challenged as we've thought about jesus and what he means to us probably most of us here have You know, like the idea of Jesus, you know, we maybe even made decisions for Jesus. But, Lord, we want to reach a a deeper level. We want to be more filled with the Spirit. We want to be connected in a way that you're doing amazing things through us, that you're filling us with joy that we thought we could never have. Not because our life is smooth, but because we are connected to you, the life giver. You, the way, the truth, and the life. We are dead And we want to be revived, and we thank you that Jesus came and died on the cross so that we may be revived and we can begin living eternal life, not waiting until you come, but we can start living life and living more abundantly even right now. Lord, I just pray you'll help us to fulfill that commitment, to use our minds and make that decision for you, not just now, but every single day until you come. In Jesus' name, amen.